Good morning, Cross Point. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It's great to see you here this morning. Glad you're here. And uh, let me just say this before we dive in this morning. Uh, if you are visiting with us today, we're excited that you're here. We don't always say that, but we're always excited. And so we're just really glad that you are here today. If you are just uh, have, have chosen to be here as our guest, uh, we recognize that you could be a lot of different places today, but you're here with us and our faith family. And and we're very excited about that. Um, this morning, we're going to be wrapping up a series that we've been walking through called Upside Down, where we've been talking about how Jesus came to this earth, and he, he lived his life, uh, and he, he really kind of stirred things up. And, and, and as he came and taught truth and revealed a lot about who he was, he was, he was really shaking up the norm. And so in, a, in, in that process, we we like to say he sort of turned things upside down. So we've been walking through this series over the last eight weeks and looking at all the things that Jesus is to us and, uh, and what the Word of God teaches us about who Jesus is. Uh, we know he's our, our Savior as believers in Christ Jesus. We know he is the, the Messiah that was uh, proclaimed that would come and, and, and save us from our sins. So we know that about Jesus, but Jesus is so many things to us, Amen. Jesus is so many things to us, and so we couldn't be more excited about that, and, and we want to look at those things, and we've been doing that over the last few uh, weeks together, and so today we're going to wrap up this series, and we're going to be uh, talking about here this morning uh, that Jesus is our faithful friend. Jesus is our faithful friend, so we'll dive into that in just a moment. But let me just tell you a little bit about what we're going to be doing next week, because if we're wrapping up a series today, we're, that means we're going to be starting a new one next week. And next week, we're going to start a series that will take us through uh, Easter. And so I couldn't be more excited about that. Easter is a time when we can celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're excited because this year, we're going to be looking at uh, that week leading up to Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, uh, which we always celebrate on, on Easter Sunday. We're going to be starting with Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem and all the things that happened that week, and then leading, I don't know, we'll cover all of them, there's a lot happened, but we'll cover as many as we can, and leading up till Easter Sunday where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to invite your friends and your family to come and be a part of that. It's going to be a really interesting time for us as we walk through that series, and uh, I'm very excited, and I hope you are too. And something I was just thinking about, I hadn't even thought about it till this morning, was that Easter Sunday will celebrate one year moving into this building. Can you believe it? Has time just really flown by? Amen. You can praise God for that. You know, we, uh, we don't celebrate a new building on, on Easter Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ, but Jesus has blessed us with this place to worship. And it, it just seems like it was just yesterday we were moving in. And uh, so I couldn't be more excited about that as well, just celebrating a year here as a faith family God's doing tremendous things in our life, and he is so good to us. Amen? And uh, you guys are quiet this morning. The first time I said amen, I didn't get a single amen. And I said, Jesus has so many wonderful things to us. Amen? Yeah. There we go. Okay. Nobody said anything, and I thought, well, Jesus, that's on them, not me. You know? Now, you're, maybe you're waking up a little bit here, but... Uh, but Jesus is, is, is awesome, and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm excited about being able to share what it means that Jesus is our faithful friend. How many of you know Jesus this morning as a faithful friend? Amen? He's a faithful friend. So we're going to be looking at that this morning. Let's pray 
And we're going to dive into God's word uh, here in just a bit. So, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your presence in this place. And, God, how we've come together as a faith family. And we've just lifted up our voices in song and adoration and praise and thanksgiving. God, just so thankful for your presence. Thankful for this time of worship. Uh, and, God, we recognize that you are so worthy of everything that we could offer. God, we we, uh, God, we, we offer to you our, our worship, and we know that, God, you are worthy of that. And so, Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for the, what you're, you're doing in the lives of so many uh, in this place. Thank you for the life transformation that we see uh, from our children, from our youngest of children. God, all the way to the, to the oldest person we have here, God, you're doing incredible things in our hearts and our minds, and, and God, uh, just preparing our souls uh, uh, for eternity. And God, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your love and your grace. And God, the fact that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. God, it's almost overwhelming to think about what that means for us. Lord, knowing that we deserve that place on that cross, God, because of our sins. So Father, we are thankful this morning. We're, we're, we're thankful and we're just uh, gracious, God, for every great thing you have bestowed upon us and, and everything that you are to us. And so, Father, this morning as we dive into your word, may you help us to set aside every distraction in our life to, uh, to just hear from you this morning, to, to know, God, that you are wanting to speak into our hearts. And Lord, we say all of this and we pray all of this in your name. Amen. You know, uh, as we were preparing for this message and just kind of walking through, getting ready for this sermon and thinking everything that that we'd have to think about. I was thinking about Jesus as a faithful friend. And as I began to process that, I began to realize that, that true biblical friendship or true genuine friendship is, is, a, is really a rare commodity these days. I think it's something that we should value. I think it's something that we should see as very valuable in our life, but it truly is a pretty rare commodity these days. Unless, of course, you're counting all your friends on Facebook, right? I mean, uh, I mean, we all know those are real genuine friends that we have on there, right? All 6,000 of them that you have uh, befriended over the years. But anyway, um, no, I mean, if you think about friendship, the reality is this, is that, that a real solid, you know, lasting friend, are, a lot of times they're few and far between. We walk through this thing called life, and we meet a lot of people as we go, and we make a lot of what I believe are more acquaintances than they are true friends, at least when you begin to look at what Jesus is saying about friendship, and you begin to realize just how high a standard Jesus sets for, for friendship. And so, uh, you know, as I was thinking about that and just thinking about just how rare it is to have really true, good friendships and all that Jesus is to us, I, I, I was encouraged. I wasn't discouraged. I was encouraged because I think what Jesus teaches us also is how to be a good friend. But this morning, we're not going to be looking at what how we can be a good friend. We're going to be looking at Jesus, who is our faithful friend, and I want to make sure that we do that. But as we think about friendship, I started thinking about the reality that, you know, so often childhood friends that we grew up with, they grow up, right? They, we grow up. We all grow up. And, and oftentimes there's this, uh, this sort of separation. Life changes things. And, you know, our childhood friends, they, they may move on or or, or maybe some of our friends as we grew up, uh, they drift away, you know, uh, we just sort of begin to take on new interests and things like that, and things begin to change. I remember growing up as a kid, 
My best friend in the whole world, his name is Andy Cashwell, and I've mentioned his name before in certain sermon series that I've used before in the past, but he was truly a great friend. He, he still is. I should, he's alive. I, should, I shouldn't say it as his past tense, but he may hear the sermon one day. But anyway, uh, he, he truly still is a, is a good friend. But as a child, as children, we were just inseparable. You couldn't, you couldn't pull us apart. And, you know, there would be days where if it was a beautiful day, we'd grab a couple of cane poles. I don't know if many of you know much about that, but we'd head off to the creek and and we would fish, and, and I always caught more fish than he did, but that was, you know, just because I was more gifted that way. No, I'm kidding. But we would, we would just have a good time together. It was always just wonderful, you know, to, to be around him. And as we grew up, there were, there were other things that we got involved in. We were, many times, we would we'd take our bicycles and we'd build these homemade ramps, which was very dangerous. Don't, do, don't let your children do this. But we would, we would hit these ramps at about 60 miles an hour and see how many trash cans we could jump. We were, you know, Evil Knievel was big back in those days, if you know who I'm talking about, young people. And so uh, we would jump these trash cans and, you know, we, had, we were just building memories. That's all we were doing, building memories. I mean, it was just so incredible to think about the friendships that we had as we grew up. We got more active in sports. And eventually, Andy was the one who started sharing the gospel with me. He was the one that really sort of came to me. He'd gotten saved at an early age. And and, and so we just have so many memories together. Uh, what was really funny about life is we both ended up being pastors. In fact, he is a pastor in Moultrie, Georgia, which is like 35 minutes away. And I say all of this to say this, I hardly ever see him or talk to him. Isn't that just the way things are sometimes? I think in our culture today, life is so busy Life is so fast-paced. I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing, but that just really truly is the way it is. And, and we can have lifelong friends who sometimes just live miles apart, just a few miles apart, and we hardly ever see them. And I, I think he would say, I know he would say, and I would say that we are still truly good friends, but we hardly see each other anymore. I, I was thinking about all that and thinking about, you know, what it is that we need to, to see about Jesus. And the thing that I love about Jesus being our faithful friend is things don't change with him. He is faithful. He is, he is forever. He's eternal. I mean, and, and it, it's so wonderful to just look into Scripture and see uh, just what a true good friend Jesus can be to us. Uh, life doesn't just move on with Jesus. And, uh, we, you know, he never finds himself too busy to, to relate to us or to pour into us or to impact our life. And and, and, and the reality is when you start looking at how good a friend Jesus is to us, you know, one of the thoughts I sort of came up with was, you know, we, we probably, all of us in this room are probably a little bit inadequate to be the kind of friend Jesus is to us. You know, we, we just, we could never be that, uh, even if we tried to be the best of friends to, to one another. And so this morning, I want us to look at that. I want us to really dive into understanding who Jesus is as our faithful friend. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to John chapter 15. That's where we're going to go this morning. Uh, the text that we're going to be looking at is there. I want to I look at four, uh, chapter 14 before we dive into that, and you can look at that with me as well. But as you turn there, let me just remind you that in chapter 14 of John, Jesus is, is, uh, is saying some things that reveals to us that he is very concerned about his disciples when he leaves this earth. We know, because we read through the gospel, we know that the, the story goes where Jesus uh, ultimately finds himself on the cross, and it's on the cross that he is, 
He is just beaten and his body is broken and ultimately his blood is spilled for the atonement of our sins and it's on this cross that he would die and then he would be taken down from that cross he'd be buried in a tomb and he'd be raised from the dead. And so we, we know that. So we also know that he would eventually ascend into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. This is what the scripture tells us. And so Jesus, he knows all this. He knows that this is the plan. This is the will of the Father. And so what we begin to see in John chapter 14 is that Jesus is very concerned about these men who he's been pouring into for three or so years. He's been pouring his life into these guys, discipling them. They've been growing. They've been learning a lot about who he is, about who they are. And he's concerned with them believing that he is just going to abandon them. Because that's not what a good friend would do, right? That's not what a, a friend wouldn't just say, hey, guys, you got it from here. I'm out of here. I'm going to where it's great. And I'm going to a place in heaven where, you know, we're, I'm getting away from this nonsense of a world. That's, that's not what Jesus wants to do. And so in John chapter 14, we see where Jesus begins to say things like this. He begins to say to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And I love that. I love the fact that he's, it shows the concern and the compassion that Jesus has for his disciples. And, and we today, as disciples of Christ Jesus, for those of us who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, for those of us who know Jesus, the same truth holds for us. Uh, we, he will never leave us as orphans. And so a, a verse like this should be one that we find to be hugely uh, comforting. To just think about the faithfulness of Jesus in our life. And he says here, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, it's important that we understand that he's not talking about a second coming here. Uh, in fact, he goes on to talk about and sort of clear up things uh, as, he, as he continues to write about the sending of the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about this, this indwelling of his spirit within us as believers through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So when he says, I'm going to come to you, he's talking about really coming right back. I mean, he's, you know, and as believers in Christ Jesus, we believe that, that Jesus is not in some far off fantasy land called heaven, but that he dwells within us as, as believers in Christ Jesus. So he is always near. He is always with us. He has not left us as orphans. And so he's very, uh, very concerned that we would understand this truth. He, he wants us to know that he is the best of friends. And so we're going to see where he uses in this passage this word friend. And so that, that's what uh, sort of leads us to, this, to this, uh, this understanding, this truth that he is our, our faithful friend. But he says, I will never leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then in verse 19 of chapter 14, he says this. He says, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And so he's saying here, he says, the world doesn't know me. You know me, but the world doesn't know me. And so I'll leave this earth, I'll ascend into heaven, the world will see me no more, but you're going to see me, you're going to receive me, in other words. And so you're going you're to understand that I am with you forever and ever, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so he's, he's offering these incredibly comforting words to his disciples as he continues to pour into them and teach them. And I, I wrote some things down that are, I think are really kind of uh, cool for me. Maybe they are for you as well as I think about Jesus as my friend. But I, I was thinking, you know, just thinking about who Jesus is, I was thinking he's always present. You know, he's always present. 
And that's comforting to me, to know that he's always there. I don't have to wonder, I wonder what Jesus is doing today. I wonder if he's, if he's around today. You know, I know the presence of God is always present in my life, present in my life. He's always available. You know, I, I don't have to worry about him being too busy today to take, you know, to take my call or something. I know he is always available. He's always adequate. And this is huge, I think, for us to understand. You know, there, there are certain friends that we have uh, that, that we may have something. We say, hey, can you give me a hand with this? Uh, I need to rebuild an engine. Uh, I don't know anything about rebuilding an engine. You know, so, so there, you know we're, we're sort of limited in our capabilities. Uh, Jesus is adequate in all things, right? I, I'm pretty sure he can rebuild an engine, too, if he's just willing to come down here and, and do that for us. But, uh, but anyway, he's adequate in all things. And then also, he's always dependable. And so I was just writing these things down, and these are just a few things that I, I just realized about my, my Savior. I, I know these things. I, I could have wrote a hundred more because our Savior is so capable of so much, and he's such a, a great uh, friend to have. And so I want us to look at this in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 15 is what we're going to read through here. And I want you to notice that uh, three times in this passage, Jesus uses the word friends. And so he's going he's gonna to make sure we understand he's talking about friendship here. And that's what he's, he's sort of laying out there. So let's, let's look at this together. John chapter 15, verses 12 and following. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, that's pretty powerful right there, isn't it? I mean, right there, you look at what he just said in verse 12, and you realize the bar is set high, isn't it? Man, to love one another as Christ loved us. How many of you believe that Jesus loves you unconditionally this morning? That there are no conditions placed upon the kind of love that Jesus has for you. He loves you unconditionally, and that's, that's really amazing. And yet, when we practice love, it's not always that way, is it? And so Jesus comes to us, and he says, listen, I'm going to set the bar kind of high. I'm going to sort of declare to you that you should love one another in the same way that I love you. And so as you think about that already, we're like, well, there's shortcomings here, right? There's, uh, there's some work that needs to be done. But here Jesus sort of lays this out to his disciples, and he says, he says uh, this is my commandment to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now look at verse 13. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Man, I don't know about you, but I just feel like he just took the bar even higher, you know? If this was a hurdle, there's no way I'm going over that thing. I can only jump a hurdle about that tall anyway, right? And now he's come in and he set that hurdle way up here. I mean, he's like, he's setting the bar so high. He's told me I shouldn't love anybody less than the way he loves people. And so, man, I'm like, golly, that's tough. And now he's saying, you know, if you're going to be a friend to someone, you got to be willing to lay down your life. And so he's really setting the bar pretty high there uh, on this thing called friendship. And he's, he, he, he's also sort of revealing something to us as we're going to look at here in just a moment. But he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then he says this, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. That's important that you hear that. He says, the servant does not 
know what the master is doing. We're going to talk about that as well. And then he says, but I have called you friends. There's the third time that he uses this word. I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Now, I love this passage. I think it's, it's really incredible. And I love how Jesus presents it. You know, Jesus had this um, just incredible way of presenting truth. And sometimes it was, just, it was just black and white. He just laid it out there. It's like, oh, that's easy. I understand what he's talking about. And then other times he said something kind of wacky, didn't he? You remember, you know, all the time Jesus was using parables. And, uh, you know, I, I look at that, and I would have been the disciple that's like, what are you talking about? You know, when he uses those parables. And, and, and sometimes you read the words of Jesus, and you have to go back and read them again, again, again. And then you got to read about 40 other passages of Scripture just to interpret what he's trying to say, right? And so here we have a passage where he gives us some sort of cut and dry stuff. He gives us some stuff that's real easy for us to understand. But then there's another passage here. We're going to look at a verse here where he, he gives us this, and we have to really process what Jesus is saying. But I love this text because it teaches us so much about Jesus being such a true friend to us, and it helps us to understand what a friend we have in Jesus. And so here's what, here's what Jesus offers to us, okay? Here's what he kind of throws out there for us to, to grab onto. And so the first thing that he throws out there for us is the proof of his friendship, the proof or you could say the evidence of his friendship, okay? Now, looking at verse 13 here, we read this earlier, but no doubt we begin to see that one of the greatest evidences of friendship, and, he's, and we know this because he just said it, is found in the laying down of one's life for another. The laying down of one's life for another. This isn't my definition of friendship, this is Jesus' definition of friendship. He's saying, you know, you want to know what a friend is? Someone who's willing to give their life for you. And so this is where Jesus sort of starts out for us as we look at this. And so he lays out this, what I call the proof of his friendship. Now, most of us, as we read this, if we've read the gospel, if we know the gospel, if we've been saved, we know what Jesus is talking about, don't we? We know that Jesus is pointing to the work of the cross. We know that he is he is sort of giving them this prelude to him going to the cross, to dying on the cross. So he's talking about laying his life down for them. But he wants them to know that he loves them so much and he cares so much for them and that he is such a faithful friend that he is willing to go to the cross and die for us. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but that, that's a very powerful thing for me to wrap my mind around. It, you know, And I think because when we think about that type of thing, laying one's life down, you know, we, we, can, we, we know of people who have done this sort of thing. Uh, you know, in the news from time to time, we hear of those heroes who, who end up giving their life, don't we? we? We hear about this all the time, the fireman who runs into the house to save yet one more person, and suddenly the house collapses and, and kills the fireman, and, and we realize that there was a guy who, or a girl who was doing everything they could to lay, they were willing to lay down their life to try to save someone else. And so we can, we can sort of wrap our minds around the concept of, of laying down our life. There's, there's stories all the time of just good Samaritans who have done the same thing. Uh, you, you remember when 9-11 when happened and the buildings collapsed, there were people who literally ran in to get yet another person out of that building, never made it out alive. So we can wrap our minds around that. We hear all the time of soldiers 
who lay their life on the line and oftentimes give their life to save their buddies in the act of war. And so we, 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 we wrap our minds around this, and there's a lot of similarities, I think, in that. I think, you know, Jesus is, is, is being clear that there's a, a death that's involved, and so there's a lot of similarities. But there's also some differences, and I want to sort of point those out. And I want you to understand I'm not belittling at all anyone who's ever given their life for another person. I'm not saying that at all. I think that's something always worthy of honor and always worthy of celebrating their life as they lay down their life. But Jesus laying his life down was a little bit different. And that's what I want us to understand before we walk out of here today. Because you see, one of the things we begin to realize as we study through Scripture and all this is that when Jesus laid his life down, it wasn't spontaneous. And what I mean by that, it wasn't some uh, accident that sort of took place. It wasn't a natural disaster that was sort of unfolding, and Jesus ran into a, a burning building to save some people. No, Jesus, he, he literally came to this earth, and, and him going to the cross was an act of his will. He was willing to come to this earth to live a life of sinlessness, come to this earth and live a life where he stayed without sin only to go to the cross. This was all part of God's plan. This was not something that just, you know, where a gang of misfits suddenly, you know, got angry with him and he found himself in a bad predicament and he found himself on the cross. No, this was all part of God's plan. And so what we see is, and what we read in Scripture where we read passages where it teaches us that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that all who would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He was, he was sent to die on this cross. And so when you begin to see that, you begin to realize that, man, Jesus, you know, he did something that it wasn't just sort of uh, this, this bad situation that he found himself in. He came to die for us. And that's what really makes his sacrifice, his, his death, a little different. Then also, and this is the other one that, man, when I thought about this, I thought, man, this is, this is not easy for me at all to wrap my mind around. But also, we come to realize that when Christ died, Christ died for us while we were yet still enemies of God. Now, I know, I know that one's a little bit harder to swallow, but I want to show this to you in just a moment. The scripture is very clear that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. We know that Jesus' work on the cross was done so to accomplish the atonement of our sin, that is the forgiveness of our sin. And so if we're living a life of sin, Jesus died on the cross, his blood was spilled to atone for that sin. In other words, we can have forgiveness because of that blood that was being spilled. So we kind of wrap our minds around that, but have you ever thought about yourself as an enemy of God? And yet the Bible talks about when that, that there are really only two places that a, that a person can be. When we're looking at humanity, when we're looking at mankind, uh, the, the scripture is very clear that either you're a friend of God or you're an enemy of God. There's no straddling the fence. Either you're lost in your sin or you're saved from your sin. And so that's what the Bible presents to us. And I want to show you this because I think this is Really interesting, but in Romans 5, verses 8 through 10, it reads this. It says, but God showed his love for us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. I just, I just told you that one. I just gave you that one. 
Then in verse 9, it says this, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Now look at verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And so here's what's a little harder for me to wrap my mind around is that, you know, the Bible speaks of us in an in a unredeemed state as someone who has not yet been redeemed by the, by the power and the presence of Jesus, that we are enemies of God, and yet Jesus saw us as enemies who needed to be reconciled to God, and he was willing to lay down his life, not just for his friends, but for his, what, enemies. Now, that's when the bar gets set so high that I just... You know, I, I, can, I can see myself, and I'm not trying to present myself as a hero. I just, let me just say this. I, if, if my daughters, my wife, my daughters, my, my grandchildren, if their life was at stake, I could see myself standing in their stead to protect them and giving my life for them. I, not so much Gabe, but everybody else maybe in this room too. But, but the reality is, you know, we could probably see ourselves there, but how many of us in the room could see ourselves laying our life down for those who would call themselves enemies of ours. You see how powerful of a friend Jesus can be to us? This is faithfulness at its, at its core. This is, this is incredible to me to see the Scripture like this and to understand what Jesus did for us. We, we didn't even know God loved us till he first loved us. And then as a result of a, him loving us, we were able to love him. And, and I mean, this is what the scripture is teaching us and, and helping us to understand that we're living our life without a care about God, and yet he cares about us so much that he would send his son who would come and not by accident die, he would come with a plan to go to the cross, to die, to have his blood spilled, to be buried in a tomb so that God could raise him from the dead, having victory over both sin and death. That's what we're gonna celebrate on Easter Sunday. Amen? That's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what makes him so incredibly Awesome. Jesus' death on the cross offers to us the greatest proof or the greatest evidence of his friendship. And here's the second thing I wrote down. And I've got to really hurry. hurry. But the, the, the second thing is this, the security of his friendship. Now, this is the one that's a little bit harder to understand, wrap our minds around, okay? If that one wasn't already. But here, here's what I want to say about this. Uh, the security of his friendship. This is what Jesus is sort of pointing out to us, although I'm sure he had to explain this one to his disciples a little bit. You know, one of the most comforting truths, and we've already talked about this a little bit, but one of the most comforting truths to us is just how much Jesus loves his disciples, right? Uh, John 13, Jesus, in John 13, Jesus says this. He says, just as I have loved you, you were to love one another. We looked at that. By this, all people know that you are my disciples if you have a love for one another. And so we, here's what Jesus says. He says, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. So we, we know he loves us and we know he cares about us. And that's got to be comforting to us to know just how much he cares for us and he loves us. 
But what Jesus also reveals in this text, which I think is really incredible to me, is he reveals also the eternal stability of his friendship. So he, he, he lays out to us this, this reality, this truth that his friendship is eternally stable. We, you know, we, we have people in our life that, that, that come in as friends and often leave as what? As something other than friends. I'm not going to go any further than that. But I mean, we have people that, you know, where friendships break down and relationships deteriorate. And we, we have that in our life. But, but what Jesus wants us to understand is that his friendship is stable. His friendship is eternal. It's something that lasts forever and ever and ever. And so we need to understand that. And so here we see where Jesus is revealing this, although the way he communicates it is a little bit different than the way I would communicate it. Let me show you this, though. I think it's interesting for us to look at. Look at verse 14 with me. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, that doesn't sound like friendship, does it? That, that Jesus, he's always given us little things to scratch our head and Calls us to ponder and like, what are you talking about now? You just called us friends, but you're acting like we're slaves, you know? You just called us friends, but it sounds more like we're just servants. And, and I, I, I'm sure if they asked Jesus to clarify that, he would say, yeah, you're both, <laughs> you know? But, um, but here's, here's what is really interesting about this to me. What Jesus is revealing to us is a covenant relationship. What Jesus is revealing to us, a covenant relationship. You know, we talk a lot about covenants and contracts are those things that can be broken but covenants uh, when when God makes a covenant with his with his people when God makes a covenant it's an unbreakable thing God will never break that now we might break that but God will never break a covenant and so he's speaking of this amazing thing remember what we just looked at he says he says here's the proof of my of my friendship he says I'll lay down my life for you that's the evidence that's the proof and now he comes over and he says, but the proof or the evidence of our friendship as it relates to you is your obedience. You see that? Because you see, every friendship, there, it takes two to have that relationship. It takes two to be involved. There's, there's, there's give and take. There's, there's a two-way street. There's, there's things that, that both parties are involved in. And what Jesus says is, he says, I'm willing to lay down my life for you because I'm your friend. I, I love you. I care about you. I'm willing to do this. I want you to spend an eternity in the presence of a holy and righteous God. And he says, as a result of that, those of you, those disciples of Christ who have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus, they will remain obedient. And that doesn't mean perfect because we all know that life is full of ups and downs, Right? But it, it, what it's showing here is Jesus is saying there is this grand pursuit toward holiness. There is this grand pursuit toward uh, following the commandments of Jesus. Jesus has said in other places, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? And so he's very clear that, that to us that he is talking about a very secure relationship, but this relationship is a covenant relationship that exists between Jesus and and his disciples. And I love how I love how Jesus is is revealing this to us. Remember as disciples, we were once slaves to sin who have by grace been elevated to friendship. Right? That's a remarkable thing that Jesus has done for us. We were once slaves to sin, we are now friends 
uh, with Christ who have been set free from sin. Amen? And so that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this is what is really remarkable. John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I love that. He's speaking of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the sending of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And, and I look at that, you know why we have the Holy Spirit? Because we need his power and his presence to accomplish. We can't do it alone. And so this is Jesus saying, I will come again. The Spirit of God will rest within you as believers, as disciples of Jesus. This is a covenant agreement that is going to take place. This is a covenanted uh, relationship or friendship that is happening. Now, the third thing that I want to point out, we're almost done, is this, the intimacy of his friendship. So Jesus lays out the proof or the evidence of his friendship. He also gives us the security of his friendship. And now he tells us the intimacy of his friendship, the intimacy of of his friendship. The final thing that Jesus is going to point out to us is just how close this friendship really is. And I love that. Because Jesus isn't some distant friend. He's not somebody who's just here and there and, and everywhere. No, Jesus is with us all the time. Genuine friendship is an honest and intimate friendship. There is nothing hidden. There is no there are no secrets. And this is what we begin to see Jesus sort of unveiling to us. Look at what he says here. I think this is interesting. In verse 15, he says this. He says, no longer do I call you servants. So he clarifies, doesn't he, what we just looked at, where he says, if you're my friend, you will obey my commandments, right? And so we said, well, that looks kind of like a servant. Well, Jesus obviously anticipated their questions. So he says, no longer do I call you a servant. Some translations say, no longer do I call you a slave. But look at what Jesus says. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what the master is doing. That's important. For the servant does not know what the master is doing. Now look at this. He says, but I have called you friends. There it is again, third time. I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, there is such a closeness that exists between me and you as Lord and Savior and as disciple. There is such a closeness that, that there is no hidden agenda. There is no secret. I have brought you the truth that I have received from the Father. You remember when Jesus says, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. He is the truth. He's the author of truth. He's a, everything about truth is Jesus. And so Jesus comes to bring the truth. And I love what he says here. He says, there is nothing that is hidden from you. Everything I receive from the Father, I give to you. And you know, I hear that, and I, I think, man, that is amazing. And then I look at passages in Scripture where the Apostle Paul, he says this, these things. He says, some things are the mysteries of God. Now, I wonder, how does that work? If Jesus is giving everything to us, did you know that in, in Paul's epistles, over 21 times, he called things the mysteries of God? So it sounds like Paul just is really missing a lot there, right? But what... But what he's basically saying, and, and when we study the Word of God, we begin to realize this, that the mysteries of God, uh, are, are what Paul's saying, every time he uses the word mysteries of God, he's saying a mystery to the world, but not to the disciple. And so he says some things are the mysteries of God. They're, for people who don't know Jesus, they wouldn't know. But Paul says we know. And what Jesus is saying here in this passage is he's saying we are 
friends, there's a true friendship, and I am not keeping anything from you. I am giving it all to you. Everything I know in the way of truth is being given to you that you may know. And I love that. We talk a lot about knowing the will of God for our life, right? And, and I mean, if I were to ask you how many of you ever contemplated God's will for your life, uh, unanimously, we would raise our hand because we, that's something that we're always thinking about. Well, what Jesus is saying to us this morning, what the Word of God is teaching us through what He is communicating to His disciples is this, is that He will be faithful to continue to reveal His plans for your life forever and ever and ever. That's what kind of friend He is to us. And so friendship goes beyond most things that we understand friendship to be, doesn't it? When we start looking at Jesus, our faithful friend, it's much different than, than maybe the way we've always viewed friendship in the past. Is certainly much different than a Facebook friend. I can tell you that much right now. Jesus is a faithful friend, amen? He's a beautiful friend. He's awesome. I love what uh, Matthew Henry says about this. He says, the great truths relating to man's redemption, Christ declared to his disciples. You see that? Christ declared. Jesus is saying here in this passage, He's saying, I have given it to you, the truth of God's word. I've given it to you. And so he says here, uh, declared to his disciples, and that we, or they, the disciples, might declare them to others. And so what Matthew Henry says is, why is it that Jesus would give us the truth of his word? Why would he give us the truth of the gospel so that we could not only receive it, but also give it? And that's where Matthew Henry uh, goes a little bit further than what Jesus is saying here, although Jesus says it later, and as he prepares to ascend into heaven, he says, listen, I'm giving you the truth of my word. I'm giving you the gospel. I'm sharing the truth of God with you that you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth, right? And so Jesus, in this passage, lays out such an incredible picture of friendship. And I don't know about you, as I studied for this, I'll just be honest with you, I never really looked at it like that. Never, ever, ever. It's so wonderful to open up God's Word and just see how God's Word just teaches our hearts. And, and, and I hope that today, as you prepare to leave here today, I hope that, that you've been encouraged by the, by the friendship of Christ. The friendship of Christ. Because the reality is this. We may from time to time, even as a faith family, let each other down. I can almost assure you, I don't know what your expectations are of me, but I can almost assure you there'll be a time where I just fall short, okay? There's going to be a time. And I can blame busyness. I can blame the hecticness of life. I can blame family. I can blame whatever. But I'm just telling you, there's going to be days in my life where I'm going to fall short. And there's going to be days in your life where you may fall short as well. But the most awesome truth that we take away from this passage is that Jesus never does. Jesus never does. Every now and then I find myself in a, a place of solitude. And sometimes I pursue that because I want to just get away and clear my head, you know. Sometimes I, sometimes I just want to get away. In the past it's been things like going backpacking. I, I love backpacking. I haven't done it in a while, but I love just getting away and doing a solo backpack somewhere and 
and just getting away in the woods and walking along. It's a great way to just clear my head. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, a, it's an afternoon drive or whatever, you know, just getting away and clear my head. I love sometimes just having those moments of solitude. Sometimes those moments of solitude come when I'm least expected. And just recently, one of those moments came, just a few days ago, really. I was, I was just outside, just enjoying the day, and all of a sudden, I just realized, that it, it became evident to me the solitude that I was experiencing. But this time, instead of it being a joy, it almost immediately went to loneliness. It almost immediately went to a time of, uh, of just loneliness for me. It went from solitude, which I should enjoy, to a time of, of just loneliness. And I started contemplating on things like the death of my dad back in June. And I remember I just, as I thought about that, I began to realize just how much I missed my dad. I mean, he's gone, he'd been gone since June, and, you know, I can't pick up the phone and give him a call anymore, and it's just sad to me that he's, he's gone. He's gone. And I remember as I was just sitting there for a moment, I was thinking, why? I mean, it's such a beautiful day, and suddenly, I just feel alone. And about the time I felt alone, I suddenly felt the presence of Jesus. So as quickly as that moment for me went from solitude to loneliness, it went to the presence of God. And I knew I was preaching this sermon, and I realized, man, God must have wanted to show me that. But I suddenly felt the friend Jesus in my life. I was suddenly very aware of the friend that I have in Jesus in my life. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you've ever been to a place where you feel alone, and that's not usually a good place. I'm not talking about solitude. I think there's a big difference. I'm talking about feeling alone in this world. We can be married, happily married in the same room, and we can have a sense of aloneness creep into our hearts. But the next time you feel alone, let me just encourage you to remember Jesus. And to remember that he is your faithful friend. He loves you. He cares for you. He absolutely adores you. He died for you. He died for you. In just a moment, we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. And this is an excellent time for us to just reflect on that truth in our life. That Jesus Christ went to the cross. You know, when we break that bread, we're remembering the body that was broken on the cross. We remember, we remember a, a Savior whose body was beaten and was broken. When we take of the cup, we remember the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And it's such an amazing time for us. It should be a time of just pure reverence, thinking about Jesus and all that he has accomplished for us. And so I want to encourage you in just a few moments. I'm going to pray, and our men are going to move into place and, then, and, and take their spot. And they're going to begin to, when the, when the worship team begins to play, they'll start distributing the elements. But I want to encourage you, if you will, to just, to just think about who Jesus is. We've looked at him in so many different ways. But maybe today, just reflect on the reality that Jesus is your faithful friend. And as you reflect on that, remember the body that was broken. Remember the blood that was spilled. And allow God to, to pour into you as you worship him through the act of the Lord's Supper. 
It's a glorious time for us when we, when we treat it what it's intended for, for us to, to remember who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us. So I'm going to pray. Our men will move into place. The worship team will come out. And in just a moment, we'll partake together. But this morning, remember Jesus. Reflect on the cross. Think of all that was done for me and for you.